Hello, Paul. Hello. Come on in. Uh, hello, Dr. Herfenstiff. Um, sorry, I've got a bit of a headache. I, I'm feeling a bit funny in the head this, this week. Oh, well, I hope it's feeling better now. Anyway, let's get talking now. When we were talking last time, you were saying that you wanted to mess with the timeline, and I was telling you that was a really bad idea. Do you remember that? Uh, nein, I, I don't recall that conversation at all, Doctor. Are, are you sure you're Dr. Heavenstiffner? Something feels very odd about this. No, no, no. Anyway, but the main thing to remember is don't mess with the timeline because it can lead to really unexpected results, okay? Um, okay, Doc, but I don't know. This all seems very confusing. Yeah, well... Hopefully it'll sort itself out in the next uh, in the next hour. DCOCD, the DC Events Podcast, where we're looking at every single DC event in order from 1985 and Crisis on Infinite Earths all the way up to, well, we've reached 2011, and it's time for Flashpoint. Yeah, Flashpoint. And I'm not doing this alone. I'm joined by Martin Gray from the uh, Edinburgh, I believe. That's true, yes. Edinburgh, Scotland, UK, currently part of you. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a timestamp for the future. There you go. <laughs> and I also have uh, Mike Garvey. Hey. Hello, everyone. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Hello, Martin. It's lovely to have you here chatting with us today. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. I'm very good. How's, how's things over there despite things? Well, you know, we've just had a terrible general election. There's another timestamp. Uh, anyway, let's concentrate on comics because uh, that doesn't disappoint us this that much. Um, so we're looking at Flashpoint, which was a five-issue miniseries. There were sixteen minis with three issues each. Uh, there were four specials, and there were eight tie-ins with uh, series following on like Flash and stuff like that. So, um, and it was all written by Jeff Johns. Well, the main series, art by Andy Cubitt, Sandra Hope, and Jesse Depodang. Yeah, I like saying that. And lettered by Nick Napolitano, uh, coloured by Alex Sinclair, and edited by Adam Schlagman. So, well, what do you think um, of this, Martin, and what's it about? Well, what I think of it, I enjoyed it actually a lot more than I thought I would, because I remember reading it at the time and thinking, this is dreadful and you know, it's just all too much. But I've reread the five issues here. I've read all the minis and specials and tie-ins, and this is why I'm way behind in terms of Christmas preparation. But I actually enjoyed it loads more than I thought I would. So the idea here is that I briefly describe the plot. Good luck with that. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> a 
Okay, sorry. I'm just giggling at the prospect. The Flash, Barry Allen, wakes up in a reality where Captain Cold is the hero of Central City. His own long-dead mother is alive, and he has no super speed. There's no JLA, no Hal Jordan Green Lantern, no Superman. But there is a Batman, a very different Batman, one who's willing to kill. This is Dr. Thomas Wayne, who saw his son Bruce die in a dark alley and swore vengeance on all crime. And the biggest hero on the planet is... Dot, dot, dot. Cyborg. Atlantis has sunk most of Western Europe. The Amazons have taken over the UK. Both want to rule the planet. Cyborg wants Batman to join his uneasy alliance of heroes and villains to help him regain the world. But Batman doesn't play with others. As time passes, Barry's memories change. He remembers the history of this world he assumed was an alternate Earth. In fact, it's his own world, fundamentally changed. In his old reality... His mother was murdered by the reverse flash, Professor Zoom, and his father framed for her death. Barry breaks into the Batcave, and after a scuffle, he and Thomas Wayne swap stories. This Batman is deeply affected when he hears it in Barry's reality. His beloved son is alive and he's dead. In the UK, a.k.a. New Themyscira, Steve Trevor was captured while attempting to extract Lois Lane, who's been working undercover in London for Cyborg, feeding him information about the Amazon's Nazi-like doings. In a bid to get his powers back, Barry electrocutes himself while dousing chemicals, but rather than regain super speed, he's burned to a crisp. The second attempt proves more successful, and his renewed speed heals him. Lois Lane thinks she's about to be captured by the Amazons when she meets the Resistance, Rifter, Godiva, the Demon, and the character find of absolutely never, the Canterbury Cricket. <laughs> Thomas Wayne wants Barry to try to change the world back, but the Flash is wary of the butterfly effect. Barry wants to reform the JLA, see if they can change the world with the power of superheroism. That means finding Superman first. The sea guy cyborg, who may know where he is, and Batman says he's joined the Alliance with big helps in finding the rocket that crashed on Metropolis decades ago. They locate the underground project Superman and rescue the skinny Kryptonian who's arrived on Earth killed thousands. They break out, and in the light of the sun, Superman shoots off into the sky and disappears. So much for that plan. Flash is worried by the rate at which his old memories are vanishing, so they seek out the bunch of kids who, when they say Shazam, become Captain Thunder, to see if they, being linked to magical lightning, can help. It's a long shot, but it just might work. Billy Batson reads Barry's mind with, hmm, lightning empathy, and sees the memories of a world with hope. That inspires the kids to want to help, and then with Batman on board, they persuade Enchantress, if shared the changing man's secret 16, to meet them in the UK, where Aquaman and Wonder Woman who at one point had actually planned a marriage of state for warring across old London town. On the field of conflict, the Enchantress betrays the heroes just for the fun of it, and Billy is killed. Poor Reverse Flash shows up the gloat that it wasn't him, it was Barry who changed reality. <gasps> I know, that, that, that. <laughs> In a moment of misery after learning that Professor Zoom had killed his mom, Barry pulled the entire speed force into himself to stop him murdering Nora West. And everything changed that day. Reverse Flash laughs at the fact that as Barry changed things, he himself was outside of the timeline. The consequence is that he, the Reverse Flash, is now a living paradox and doesn't need Barry to be alive to generate the speed force that powers him. So now he can kill Barry any time he likes. But then Thomas Wayne appears and stabs Professor Zoom through the back. The tide of battle truly seemed to be turning when who should show up to help them? Ta-da! Grifter in the Resistance. No one can fix things like Grifter and the Resistance. The power of the headscarf over your nose. Batman gets blasted. Then, look, up in the sky! It's the very skinny Superman. 
Superman grabs Aquaman and Wonder Woman and seems ready to finish them off. The dying Batman gives Barry a letter to give to his son if he manages to change reality again. Barry runs and runs and runs and ends up on the doorstep of his mother. Barry tells Nora the whole crazy story about how he changed reality and says that if he manages to transform it back, she will likely be deed, dead, brown bread. She says that one life doesn't matter, and if he goes and she dies, she'd probably be with his father. So that's all right. Barry gets onto the treadmill and runs once more, catches up to the version of himself who created the Flashpoint universe, and stops Barry once saving Nora's life. And reality explodes once more. Suddenly, Barry seems to be in space. We see dozens of characters, multiple versions of the heroes he knows, and some new faces. And above them all looms a mysterious hooded woman with a scabby face. The mysterious stranger, who we later find out is named Pandora, tells Barry that the history of heroes was split into three, splintered to weaken your world for their impending arrival. She adds that he can help to fix things for a price. And Barry wakes up in the police squad room in his cities, the world seems, seems to be back as it was. He rushes to the Batcave and there he is, the Batman. To Barry's relief, it's Bruce Wayne, not Thomas. Everything seems to be as it was, except that Barry still has memories of a life with his mother, Nora. Bruce says to consider the memories a gift. Barry gives Bruce the letter from Thomas Wayne. His father says he loves him. Bruce sheds a tear. The end. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, excellent recap, Martin, and that really covered everything. Yeah. Um, now, I, I guess we need to mention all the tie-ins, so there were much more detail about some of the side stuff. So you uh, concentrate on the, the, you know, the core story, but there's a sort of uh, Atlantis um, soap opera, and there's a one, you know, Themyscira soap opera, um, and there's the Resistance stuff, and there's the Creature Commandos with Frankenstein, and uh, there's all sorts of things going on at the side, and you get a lot more about Batman and his decision to uh, help erase uh, his current reality when you read his series, because it's quite uh, dark, <laughs> to say mm. the least. Yeah, so, but what did you think uh, were your biggest parts of it, man? What were the bits that really made you go, whoa, that's amazing, and that's cool, and it really worked for me? Well, in the main series, I think Aquaman sinking most of Western Europe, I mean, that was a nice change from Australia being bombed out of existence. <laughs> Finally! He <laughs> <laughs> does that by harnessing the power of a captured geoforce in a rather cruel way after tricking him to be an alliance, an ally rather. And then, then conversely, there was Terra, his sister, geoforce's sister, saving the UK by raising it a mile high with her own Earth-moving powers, that was pretty incredible. Mm. And then probably the biggest of all was Barry. Barry running so fast that he changes reality not once, but twice. Yeah. Mm. Mm. What about you, Mike? Uh, I think for me, the the big thing was the, the fact that it, it was all the Flash's point, uh, of the Flash's fault. Sorry, I've got Flash put on the brain. Um, the, the fact that, you you know, as it's going along and as he's trying to find out what's caused the world to change, that he believes, and the reader is led to believe, that it was Professor Zoom. But in the end, Zoom comes along and goes, I actually know, I'm innocent, it's all you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, the, the, the good guy, you know, screwed up. Oh, what? Uh, that was I'd actually forgotten that it was his fault in this uh, because I haven't read this since uh, the first series, since it first came out. So uh, it was very fun to revisit, uh, and for me as well. Uh, like Matt was saying, I, I I enjoyed it a heck of a lot as well, and 
normally with these big sort of crossover events, I will tend to stick with just the main series. Rereading this recently, I actually want to go out and check out all the other Flashpoint times because the world... It's, it's not just a world where, hey, he was good in our reality, but now he's bad in this reality. It's, there's so many interesting changes in there that I want to actually go and, and track them down and, and read more about, you know, Thomas Wayne as Batman or what did Hal Jordan get up to when he didn't get Avancer's Green Lantern ring or what happened between Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Uh, it's just, I find it a really fascinating change from what we're used to in the dcu and and that's really rare for a mini for a, a crossover mini series event whatever you want to call it for me to actually want to seek out the other books wow and venture outside the main series it's that good it's really interesting i really enjoyed it uh, so martin as someone who just uh, did all the homework and read all, all the extra side parts uh what did you think of them i thought they were pretty pretty great some of them i mean some of them were far too violent like, like the, the, the Gorilla Grodd one in, in one series, I won't tell you which one, Mike, but in one, okay. in one series, a well-known well superhero ends up getting sort of, whatever that phrase is, that thing they did on the Soprano, where they put your head on the pavement and stamp on your head. Ooh, pretty ooh. wow, Bile. okay. But there's, there's, wow. there's a lot of that sort of thing, because I think, I think Flash, before Flashpoint, you'd had Jeff John sort of thing, you know, having, you know, pulling people's arms off, not literally himself, and this sort of thing. But I think <laughs> yeah. Flashpoint marked the point at which DC went really dark in terms of violence and set the stage for the new 52 in terms of just anything, anything goes. But while I hate the idea that Barry Allen ruined everything by losing control of his emotions, cough, Wally West, cough, <laughs> I did like seeing DC characters in, in different roles. Like you, you got Deathstroke, the pirate, and mm. very minor Superman character, Tracy 13, was promoted to massively powered would-be world saver. But conversely, I, I hated seeing diff, DC characters in different roles, such as Aquaman and Wonder Woman as imperious murderers, too stupid to see when they were being manipulated. Yeah. But again, it was it was it was fascinating. It was it was different because you knew this wasn't this wasn't for good. You could enjoy mm. it as a you know, an X Men Age of Apocalypse type event. And yes. Yeah, that, and yeah, and it has some interesting characters who didn't make it to the new universe that I would have liked to see, such as a guy called Mind Dwarf who's in the Secret Seven, the Shade Book. There's mm. Jenny Green Teeth, Britannia and Mrs Hyde who are new British heroines and. And even the Canterbury Cricket, who I just took the piss out of Toby on my blog when it came out. I even read it, and the dialogue's vile, the dialogue's ridiculous. But it's quite, it's just so, so weird, and it would have been fun if he'd turned across. It's, it's goofy and fun, yeah. It is, it's just bizarre. And some, some great characters did make an impact in the New 52, such as, again mentioned, Frank Frankenstein, who became Agent of Shade, and, and Godiva, who obviously was originally Golden Guardian, a Global Guardian, but here she gets promoted and she turns up in the New Justice League in the New 52. And she's excellent. And I mean, if you want, I could I could give you a couple of my favourite series. Or I could, you know, just let leave it to people to discover. Hit hit me. But hit you, okay? <laughs> well, it was Flashpoint: The Secret Seven, which was basically it was by Pete Milligan and an artist called Fernando Blanco. But it was basically a stealth Shade the Changing Man book. It was Pete Milligan back doing Shade the Changing Man. And oh. again, it's really it's really violent, and it's got the worst Zatanna costume you'll ever see and she's had some stinkers over the years <laughs> it's really honestly look up that satanic costume but it's really a decent intense read with fantastic art and then again the one that Mike said you said that you'd like to read the Flashpoint Batman Night of Vengeance by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso. I mean I don't normally get on with Brian Azzarello scripts at all mm-hmm. but this this has this one has Thomas Wayne you know as the more brutal Batman and he's running casinos in Gotham City to bring the criminals to him and Penguin mm-hmm. Penguin is Alfred. Martha Wayne survived, but she's his broker. Yes. Catwoman, yeah. 
Catwoman is Oracle. She's you know a bit sort of disabled, and it's a it's a that's terrible. Do apologise. It's a, it's a it's a stylish stylish fast moving stunning stunning looking super dark lead and having fun with the Batman tropes, and in the end it's surprisingly touching. And I'll just just give you one more one more winner. Yeah, Flashpoint, Lois Lane and the Resistance, written by its Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, who you know know their way around a DC comic, mm. and it, it's a powerful tale of determination and sacrifice. There's a great new character in Penny Black who puts a stamp on the battle to free the UK's Britannia, who I mentioned earlier. And overall, it's a more than decent drama. And the feel of it, the set of it's basically superheroes doing a version of the resistance during the Second World War, you know, running around behind the scenes trying to sort of plan to get the get the big bads. And it's just wonderful. But in, in terms of bad times, you have one flashpoint, The Outsider. Ah, it's James Robinson writing this character. He's in India, which it's brilliant because the whole Flashpoint series, you see all the different parts of the world, you know, like God ruling Africa, the outside ruling India, etc. Basically, he's a mega-powered Indian kingpin, but for three issues, he's just very, very boring. There's nothing much happens at all. <laughs> and then, finally, the one that I didn't like, but the craft's excellent, is Flashpoint God of War, which, you know, starts with a really, really, I won't spoil it, a really, really witty opening page. It's just a single issue. But basically, it's just God of War, and he's, he's just very violent, and kills Congorilla, and he just... He just wants to die. It's just that he's got, you know, road smelt. It's just nothing because he can beat everybody and rip everybody apart, which he keeps doing mm. every couple of pages. You know, he just wants he just wants someone who can take him on and finally kill him. And on the one hand, it's very well done, but on the other hand, the violence just ups, it's just too gross for me. But it's interesting. I mean, I think there's not a single a single miniseries I wouldn't say check out because it's just very very bizarre. But, mm. I mean, but, but yeah, if you're a Mira fan, maybe not. Now remind me, man. Is there one where there's a like an evil version of Plastic Man? Yes, that, that's in the series called. It is called. Whoa! It's Legion of Doom, which is basically following Heatwave for three three issues in prison, and it's actually really clever because because you know because Plastic Man, Eel O'Brien, used to be a crook. He's a you know Heatwave knows him, and you know yes, Plastic Man comes into the prison and basically helps Heatwave take over the prison and. Some terrible things to do with Plastic Man's powers. I'd give it a read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember reading it back in the day. So, yeah. I actually read about um, a quarter of the extras to uh, for this preparation, and um, I enjoyed everything I read. I mean, you're spot on about Grod of War. It's um, nasty, nasty stuff. But, I mean, I, I get the point. It, it is emphasising that this is a bad version of the world because of the changes. Mm. Um, yeah, that one just you know hammers it a bit too much home. Yeah. Um, well, one thing, uh, and maybe either of you gents can clue me in as to which other series this character did appear in. But one character I really liked in all of this was Emily Song, the Element Woman. She was just so sweet natured, and she just wanted to be involved with the heroes, and she was really chuffed that she, that Cyborg invited her <laughs> to join in. <laughs> Um, to try and, you know, stop the war between Wonder Woman and Aquaman's forces. Does she appear anywhere else in Flashpoint? Oh, poor, poor, poor Emily Sung. I had a one line in my recap and I pulled her out last night for space. <laughs> but uh, I don't remember her appearing anywhere else other than just in a couple of pages in the main series. She does finally end up as a... Eventually she joins the, the New 52 Justice League for a few issues, but again, it's, it's a case of Jeff Jones having so many characters. Yeah. He forgets to use them, so she's barely, she's barely in there, but... I mean, do you remember in there? Did you spot her anywhere, Paul? I didn't see her anywhere else. No, I didn't see her anywhere. I, 
Yeah, I just I just thought she was a nice little bright light of hope in this slightly darker <laughs> world. She was indeed, and so she's instantly and so she's instantly dismissed by Batman Thomas Wynn as being loopy and stupid and just ignore her, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think of the promotion of Cyborg? Yeah, well, this is where um, Jeff Johns really tried to make Cyborg happen and uh, continue on with that in the Justice League. So, you know, this is where Cyborg becomes uh, sort of uh, extracted from the Teen Titans and, you know, promoted to full, full-blown full Justice League hero. And, uh, yeah, I... Yeah, he's quite successful in this. I feel like he's a bit less successful in uh, the Justice League launch that comes after this. Um, and then, you know, we've seen what happened with him in media, like uh, the Justice League movie, uh, which was yeah. fairly, uh, you know, a, a nice effort, but didn't really come off. I liked him. And then you've got yeah. the Doom Patrol TV show. So, yeah, Cyborg is all over the place after this. But even Junior's, I think, I think he could have done with with a spin-off, one of the spin-off miniseries, sort of really building up and tell a story, because, you know, he pops up every now and then in, in the issues, and he's, you know, he's doing good things, but it's like, you know, there's not like a big focus on, you know, how he became to be the world's biggest hero. Mm. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, they need to treat him a bit like Batman at this point and, you know, have him with his, you know, a full-blown world with his own villains and all that sort of stuff. And they never really successfully do that with Cyborg. No, that's true. I think also one of my problems with the minis, probably my, my, my own really problem, a lot of them, you know, end on a good cliffhanger and says, you know, continued in Flashpoint 5. And continued in Flashpoint 5 turns out to be something like, you know, one panel of Grodner's gorilla skin. We're invading the UK now or something like that. It's actually actually left me wanting more, which is probably not not a bad thing at all, really. Mm. Yeah, that's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. Did anyone read Deathstroke the Pirate? No. No, I didn't. That's bizarre. It's basically Deathstroke on the high seas looking looking for his daughter Rose. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's a, bit, a little bit of creepiness in terms of the way he feels about her. I think a bit of turnness there. But apart from that, which is, oh, fine, I'll probably put you off completely. But it's basically <laughs> Deathstroke on the high seas versus Warlord on the high seas. Quite <laughs> well, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it it is a really interesting world. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But, but what I don't quite get, and maybe I've misinterpreted, you know, the response from fandom, but... I get the feeling that Flashpoint wasn't very popular, and yet I think it's a really good story and a really interesting story. But I don't know whether the 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 sense I'm getting is that people maybe don't like it because it led to the new Fifty Two, which they didn't like, or whether they just didn't like the entire Flashpoint thing itself. Um, well, that's a great segue, Mike, because we do want to look at what came from this series. So what did it launch and what did it change? And, mm-hmm. yeah, it is kind of a strange one because it basically has this weird ending where, you know, the Flash basically pulls the plug on the whole world and then he wakes up and things are normal, uh, except, you know, it's not meant to be normal. We've got, like, a new 52 that comes straight after this and this becomes basically the final nail in the coffin of uh, the DC Universe continuity, we, all the legacy and you know, everything at this point ends right here. Yeah. Mm. I think that was, that was my main sticking point. I, I knew what it was, that it was leading to something else. And you know, from, from the start, such things of, you know, having, when, when you saw that it was going to stick with Barry's, you know, Barry's mother was alive again, then, you, you know, with a new 52, and suddenly Barry's got this angst because he can't just be a good hero because he's a good person. It's got to be, he's got to be avenging his 
mother and like the way how Jordan's got his daddy issues. And again, the, yeah, the, the level of violence at the time really put me off in retrospect because sadly I'm pretty much inured to the DC violence these days. It wasn't, it wasn't that shocking in retrospect. It was just like, I just remember my visceral reaction at the time thinking this is gross. But yeah, it's just, it is just, I just hope that we get a few people who are listening to this maybe checking it out again or for the first time and mm. seeing what they think. Well, they do yeah. that on the DC app, presumably, if, they, if they're in the US, not like ourselves. <laughs> no, no. I think it's very, I think it was well received. Um, I think people have become a little bit uh, tired of it being reissued in different versions all the time. Like, it, it is you know, okay. a perennial seller, so they've done it in black and white, they've done it in absolute, you know, they just keep putting it out there all the time. Um, so you oh, know, wow. it's one of the things they reprint constantly. But certainly, I think a lot of things came from this. Like, there's a lot of uh, Jeff Johns did a lot of setting things up for media um, in his runs, and you know, distilling things down to a you know a nice uh, sellable package. So, I mean, the way he uh, built the the Flash's relationship to his parents, you know, that went straight into the TV show when it was. Um, restarted Mm -hmm. and you know there's many other things that come from this but uh, one of the things i mean we've got a few years on it now so we can see that you know pandora really just came to nothing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i gave i gave her a chance i I read i read the comic shoes and i read the the phantom stranger series which actually was a lot better than better than a lot of the new 52s by dan didio and yeah, the, the, the new question never went anywhere. Suddenly the question was this, he, he was this mystical guy and the three of them together, what would you call the Trinity of Three or something like that? that what, wasn't it Trinity of Sin? Trinity of Sin, that was it. Yes. That's his teachers. And I, I cannot for the life of me, and if anyone's listening and can remember better than I can, there's that reference of Pandora says, you know, we, the, 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 you know, we, we've got to, you know, they are coming sort of thing. I can't remember if we ever found out who they, who they ever were. I don't think we did. Well, see, I thought with the New 52... And I think it's actually mentioned somewhere in my notes, uh, whether, um, but I thought there was something about the 10 years missing also resetting the new 52. Have I read too far ahead in my notes? That's too, that's too far. That's, that's, that's all totally to do with DCTV, but I think that was, that was not planned at that point. I really don't think, I don't, I think that okay. was, when, when Jeff Jones came to do DCV birth, he thought, oh, you know, scrabble, you know, pull backwards sort of thing, wind everything back in. <laughs> oh yes, this is what we did. You know, we, yeah, yeah. Ten years out, but I'm, I think at, that, at this point it was just meant to be stick the start of a new, a new, a new multiverse. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you squint very, very hard at the ending, you can sort of link it up to uh, Rebirth and Doomsday Clock. Yeah, sort of, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it certainly it relaunched everything in one way, but um, I feel very much that it was that was an editorial decision rather than a story point that um, was you know firmly nailed down and you know they knew exactly what they were doing uh, it it felt like there was you know a story written and then someone went oh we could do this with it and you know that's a whole other thing and in fact the next episode of dcocd will be on the new 52 so we will try and capture the full extent of um that i mean because i do sort of want to treat that as an event because it uh, the effect of it is like an event so good luck boys good luck <laughs> thanks <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah. Anything else you guys want to say about it before we get into the scoring? Uh, just that I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it again this time because yeah, I haven't hadn't read it since uh, the 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 initial launch of the series, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I like Martin was saying, uh, similar to Martin, I was not expecting to. It's a great read. Yeah, 
I'd echo that. It actually is really punchy, and as a core mm. series, it's you know it's really lean and tight. And, yes. Um, and I think I think the first time I read it, it was all tied up in what was coming, and it had a a lot of um, baggage because of that. Um, and yes. once it's freed from that, and you know you got the the ability to look back with uh, nine years or eight years worth of um, uh, perspective, it's actually uh, more enjoyable. Mm. Uh, what about you, Martin? Yeah, I'm, again, I, I'm, I'm with you. It was just surprisingly interesting. I was dreading having to read all these comics again. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, I can't wait to read the next, you know, read the next one. You know, because it's the only thing I really hated was just how stupid Batman and Wonder Woman were. But, and then, but like I said, in fact, you know, these, these characters that we were mentioning that we'd like, you know, we, we'd like to see more, like Emily Sung, um, you know, Mind Warp. You know, okay, they might, they might not have made it big in the, in the new universe or even appeared, some of them. But, they're there. They've been created. They can always be brought back. You know, segued into the, into any version of the DC universe. Emily Sun. One day, one day, someone will bring Emily Sun into the sunlight, and she will have her day. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Campaign starts here. Yep, yep. Yeah. Coming in 2020, the Emily Sun cast. So, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's. I did notice that in some of the minis, you do see cameos of characters, and it's like they, you know, they miss their chance to be a hero. Um, so you see, like, uh, Renee Montoya, you see Bullock, mm-hmm. uh, the police officer, so things like that, and they're sort of just relegated to bar people at this point, <laughs> you know, so they really, <laughs> it's like they lost their chance to be special because of what happened with Flashpoint. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so Hal Jordan certainly fits in that category, but somehow they stretched his mini seat, they gave him three issues when there's about one issue's worth of story there. <laughs> But yeah, it is fascinating stuff. Mm. All right, we might play a promo and then we'll come back and do some scoring. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! (laughs) The Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series, five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series. We have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. Why do you always have to say it that way? Haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship? And now it's the part of the show where we score this event. And the way we do it is uh, we have four categories. They are eventiness, uh, writing, art and covers, and then impact and legacy. And we get scores out of 10 for that. Um, Because there's three of us, and if we all do that, we get a score out of 120. That doesn't work because 100 is a nice, neat number. So I will be the semi tonight, and I will halve my scores at the end. And that will give us a total out of 100. So, okay, let's go. So I'm going to give it for event. I think it's very eventy. I'm going to give it nine because it sort of took the whole universe and turned it on its on its axis and gave you a completely new, different story and involved all sorts of things. And uh, you know, the times were really good. They uh, they brought more into it. And then you had you know the series like Booster Gold and The Flash, which sort of gave you sort of side angles on the thing as you know what was the effect from someone who was outside of it all at the same time. Um, so I really like that. So I'm going to give it a nine. What about you, Martin? Well, we don't have the crisis label, but this is basically a crisis event. The DC universe is reborn, and not just once, but twice. Uh, it's the first history rewrite that takes up most of the real estate in the miniseries and the company minis and one-offs. And it makes for quite the drama as we see that all the optimism has gone from the world and things must change. And I would actually, 
yeah, I'd give it a solid nine as well. Excellent. And you, Mike? Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. Just it, it, it's yes, it's it's a big eventy thing, uh, but I think because it was signposting that, yeah, it's well, that kind of ties more into Impact Legacy. But I'll I'll talk about that later. But yeah, eventually, this I, I thought it was yeah a decent big thing. I'm going to give it eight. Awesome. So, Martin, what do you think of the writing of it? Well, it's Jeff Johns, so it's no surprise that the series uses deep, deep DC continuity to drive forward the drama. And if you can accept the central conceit that Barry has the power to change reality with the Speed Force and the treadmill, you can enjoy this big age of apocalypse-type storyline spinning off in all kinds of interesting directions. The downside of it being a Jeff Johns series is that it's ruddy violent, and he reshapes the fashion history between the angst Johns thinks is necessary for a hero to become a hero. And as the series races towards its conclusion, the pacing becomes really, really poor. And there's so much happening that you never you never feel that you're getting the whole picture. It just snippets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would so say writing, I would give 7 out of 10. Okay. And Mike, what about you? I am with Mark. I'm going to give it 7 as well. I think it starts off really good and it's really interesting. But, yeah, there's so much crammed into there, which is probably why I want to check out the tie-in series to see what else is going on in this world. And I also think the ending was a little bit weak. It kind of went out with a whimper rather than a bang, um, which I found a bit odd considering what was coming afterwards. I thought there would be a bit more, I don't know, excitement or, or something or a big cliffhanger or something, but it ends very quietly between Bruce and, and, and Barry. And um, yeah, so I, I think seven's a decent score for the writing. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there as well. I've got seven as well. Uh, I think it has some really, I mean, it's got some really good moments and I think it starts really strong. Uh, the end is it has to change and it sort of just stops and you're sort of left going, well, couldn't you cover a bit more of the ending in this story? But uh, no, there's a universal rewrite coming and uh, we're going to do a relaunch and everything. So it's sort of a bit of a victim. And, you know, I do want to mark down the writing when you consider some of the violence in the the tie-ins because it is really, really ridiculous. I mean, uh, Grodd is doing Predator, you know, spine rips on things. and <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that's nasty. Wow. Uh, so seven for me. Uh, now... Mike, what, what do you think of the art and covers? Art and covers, uh, over, it's it's really solid. I'm giving it an eight, uh, mainly because it's a consistent art team throughout the the main uh, mini series of the the five issues, uh, and they do a, a bang up job. There's there's lots of action. Uh, there's some great color with like the flash lightning effects. Uh, it's it's really well done, but um, there's nothing there that sort of made my jaw drop and go, oh my god, this is a brilliant splash page or anything. Um, it, but yeah, it was still really good, so I'm going to give it eight for the art and covers. And what about you, man? Yeah, they are pretty decent in that bombastic, scratchy Andy Cube Marvel way. But it gets worse as the series goes on. The page is getting horribly crowded as again. Jeff Johns has a game-changing event every other scene and the pacing goes to heck. But there were other interesting character redesigns, which I enjoyed quite a lot, even if I wasn't that keen on Stabby, Trident, Aquaman and big, big, bulky Cyborg going into the main continuity. But for Flashpoint, they worked. I mean, the covers, I'll just concentrate on the main five because it was about 40-odd altogether, I think, in terms of variants. A couple of the covers are great, but overall, the covers are not very memorable. So I would give art... Ooh, I think 7 out of 10. Oh, okay. I'm going slightly higher just because I, I think the main 
Mini has some really strong visuals, and you know, I very much like seeing you know Barry Allen strapped in an electric chair trying to get his powers back, and <laughs> you know the extremeness of that was uh, you know it was quite full on, and I very much enjoyed it. And I thought a lot of the minis had some really quite serviceable art. You know, it did the job very well. It didn't take your mind off what you were reading, um, and some of it was quite excellent. Like the Frankenstein um, and the Creature Commandos one was very you know it was fun to read, and the art really brought it along. So uh, I'm giving it an 8. All right, now we're down to Impact and Legacy. So this is a tricky one to assess. But, uh, Martin, why don't you have a first attempt? (laughs) Well, I I don't think it's tricky at all. I think it's safe to say the Legacy was absolutely massive. The entire new 52 continuity that lasted for a few years, maybe five years, it changed the entire incontinuity landscape of DC and the greater comics market as DC increased its market share with an upping of the publishing schedule. Then Marvel followed on and began doing more fortnightly titles. In terms of the comics inside the comics, there were a few years where the mysterious woman Pandora, the question, and the Phantom Stranger were, as we said, gigantic behind-the-scenes players in the DCU. There was the integration of the Wildstorm characters that brought a different flavour to proceedings, even if it wasn't what I enjoyed. Cough, voodoo, cough. <laughs> and while it originally seemed... <laughs> While it originally seemed that Barry Allen had pretty much brought his universe back with just a few tweaks, we soon saw that the only continuity that really survived was that of Batman and Green Lantern, i.e. Top Sellers and Jeff Johns ones. So I, I don't see, how, I, I don't honestly see how the legacy could have been bigger. It wiped out the entire previous comics line and in universe continuity, pretty much. Mm. Mm. So I should probably give it a score ten. Ten. Wow. Okay, Mike, where do you land? Oh. Uh, well, now I feel underprepared completely. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, may, uh, I think because of the, uh, I'm, I'm going to regret not having notes done for this bit. Uh, but um, I, I did, yeah, the, the impact was great at the time. I, I think um, for, for me, the the impact was kind of like, yeah, okay, we're rebooting completely, so this story will be very self-contained and everything coming after it will be new so strap in kids sort of thing <laughs> um the, the the legacy uh yeah, well yeah as martin said yeah it set the stage for the new 52 that came straight after it uh so and, and to, to me when new 52 came out i was super excited for new 52 i was i was aboard the hype train i was buying pretty much I, I think i was getting a good good portion of the uh all the new books that were coming out so this sort of this story had me you know psyched for what was coming after but i i think my memories have kind of tarnished that a bit because some of the new 52 stuff wasn't great but uh anyway yeah so i'll, I'll stick with eight okay wow yeah uh- I'm going to go between you guys. I think uh, Martin is right. It has a massive impact. The legacy could be negative. <laughs> it could be good. I don't know. I mean, yeah, things like the Wildstorm coming in the DC Universe, that never really stuck, but it sort of kept Wildstorm happening, and that's, you know, I still think Wildstorm's very viable, and I really enjoy some of the Wildstorm stuff after this, but, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. And, you know, Pandora was just a fizzler. Um, but, I mean, Jeff Johns has adjusted, and he's got, uh, you know, Doomsday Clock sort of picking up things and changing things around, and they're using they're using story to excuse editorial mistakes at this point, which is quite uh, yeah, unusual. So I'm going to give it a nine. So. Sure. All right, that's all our scores in, so 
Okay, so adding all our scores together, uh, Martin gave it 33 in total, Mike, you gave it 31, and I gave it 33, which halved goes down to uh, 16.5. We'll round that up to 17, Oh, and we'll add all those together, and we get uh, 50 and 31, 81, 81! Wow! Good golly, that's quite a high score. Who would have thought... That is, yeah, that's that's a lot more than I was expecting, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that puts it... Oh, okay, we have uh, it on... Uh, there's three other... Uh, well, there's three events now with 81 as the score, so this is, according to my ladder, this is the equal score with Batman No Man's Land and Infinite Crisis. So, uh, on seventh. So, seventh on the ladder. Wow. So. That's, that's, that's pretty respectable. Hey. And actually, I and actually I enjoyed this this event much too much more than those other two events. But I, never, I think I never got to the end of No Man's Land because it was about 427 comics in a month. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot. Okay, we're going to look at some feedback we did hear from Tim Price on uh, DCOCD 37, our previous episode, which was on Brightest Day. And he said, I'm not quite ready to tackle a reading project as big as this one, uh, since still I'm still recovering from New Krypton. But when I'm ready, this event will be at the top of my list. But I did collect Justice League Generation Lost, and I still have those issues. I've enjoyed rereading that maxi-series several times. It's such a great take on my beloved JLI, a crazy adventure, excellent art, I really love it. I kind of hoped you'd cover it separately from Brightest Day, but knew it was iffy as an event on its own. Regardless, a fantastic series which I can't recommend enough, followed by a regular series that I dropped after four issues because it was ugh. So, great show, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> I wouldn't be in a hurry to reread Brightest Day if I were you. Anyway. And we also heard from Jimmy McGlinchey. And uh, Jimmy said Brightest Day was a very ambitious project in that it was following a number of DC's big characters below the Trinity, e.g. Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, Firestorm, and the Hawks, as well as Deadman, who is an interesting character in his own right. DC could easily have split their stories into a number of miniseries so to keep it all contained in the one title and hold the line at 2.99, which was their catchphrase at the time. Uh, but it was a good choice, having it all in one. I enjoyed the miniseries at the time, but I guess the introduction of Flashpoint and the New 52 really impacted on the series' legacy, with the exception of Aquaman, purely because Johns was writing the series. Most of the characters involved were part of the New 52 lineup in some way or another, though, Aquaman, Hawkman, albeit a slightly different version, Firestorm, Hawk and Dove, JLI, and Deadman in the DC Presents title. All were given their own titles, and Martian Manta was part of Stormwatch. <laughs> I must echo Tim's comment on the Justice League Generation Lost, uh, the other JLGL. Uh, series. This was an excellent title and really was a great story. We had Booster acting as our leader, Captain Adam used in interesting fashion, and integrating the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle as well as a new Rocket Red into the team. It even gave Maxwell Lord a proper motivation for his villain turn, which really came out of left field in the countdown to Infinite Crisis. The only iffy point I would have with the series is the reimagination of Ice's origin, just on the grounds that it negates stories that happened in the Dan Vado run of the JLA post-Giffen Demetrius. The ending was excellent, with Batman revealing the JLI shield to Booster, and you had a ready-made storyline for the team, which looked like it was happening. Unfortunately, the New 52 came along, and while good, it was unable to pick up from the events of Generation Lost. Really looking forward to the show, and looking forward to the Flashpoint coverage. Thanks, Jimmy, and here's the Flashpoint coverage. Woo! Hooray! <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, I think that's the end of the show now. So, Martin, where can people find you and the stuff that you do? I'm on a blog called Two. I'm on a blog. I am the blog, basically. It's called Too Dangerous for a Girl, which I witter on off the top of my head about usually DC Comics, the odd Marvel comic, and other bits and bobs here and there. And I'm on Twitter at @marchgray. I'm on Facebook and generally in comment sections everywhere. <laughs> Sorry, I was wondering whether to jump in and say, actually, the Justice League International series that followed the the, the, uh, the Justice League Generation Lost in New 52 by Dan Jurgens. I thought it was excellent because you had Godiva. <laughs> Just cut me out of there because this is it's not my feedback. <laughs> Could be next episode. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we'd just recommend your blog. It's an excellent place for to see what is happening in comics and to read, re- you know, really good reviews. And uh, mm. I very much enjoy your your blog. You put in a lot of visuals from the comics, and you you have a, a wise way of looking at things. Which um, particularly, I mean, so many older comic readers, and I'm grouping myself in that, um, they don't really keep current with comics they just sort of go well this is what I like and they just stick with it but I love that you are marching on with all the new stuff all the time um. oh no I absolutely I love I say I love the, you know, the nostalgia old comics and things really enjoy I've got loads of them here read them online but I mean I'm you know I'm a journalist I want to know what's new what's going on what's the next thing mm. how does it relate back and looking forward and it's it's just all good fun you know it's, yeah, yeah not dead yet <laughs> Excellent. Speaking of speaking of not dead yet, Mike. <laughs> yes. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Avongarb. They can find me on uh, our other show, uh, uh, Waiting for Doom, that Paul and I do, which is also on Twitter at WFD Pod. Uh, and uh, I guess you can also check out um, WaitingForDoom.com, where all this goodness is stored for your listening pleasure. Oh, well, lovely done. And that is where you can leave your comments and you can see the, you know, the rankings of all the episodes we've done and all the scores we've done for all the events. And there's, well, this is the 38th one, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And end of an era as we're entering the new 52 with the next one. And, uh, yeah, it's almost, uh, too little time to assess the impact and legacy at this point. But, um, Anyway, yeah, thank you for joining us today, gentlemen. And next time on Waiting for Doom, I think it's time to look at the new episode, uh, new issue, isn't it, Mike? Yes, uh, I believe it's issue six of Doom Patrol: Way of the Worlds. Yeah. On that, on Waiting oh, for I Doom. Oh, I read that. And as I mentioned earlier, our next DCOCD will be on the New Fifty Two. In some way, we will try and encapsulate that. So, oh. Whew. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Anyway, thanks everyone for coming and listening to us again. And, uh, yeah, tell your friends if they're interested or not. No (laughs) more. Bye. Bye bye. See ya.